0: Welcome to My Life, Tanya Applied with Rabbi Simon Jacobson, a journey into the deepest teachings of Torah and their application to our personal, emotional, and psychological lives. A good tawoch, a good week. We continue our journey in the life-changing Sefer HaTanya. This program is made possible by Rena Lights LLC, and it is an honor and memory of Rabbi Yosef Halevi Weinberg, of Shalom, Rabbi Moshe Pinchas Hakoyen Katz, of Rabbi Yael Hakoyen Khan, all of And it's also in schus and merit of Rabbi Zevi Cheskel Hakoyen and Katz, La Yomim V'Shanim Tevis for many long, healthy years. We're in the middle of chapter nine, Vedic tests of Tanya, and discussing literally in, the, in a step-by-step process of, how wild, of transformation, essentially. Everything we human beings aspire to, to grow, to be better people, to be a better individual, and ultimately, not just to subdue and refrain and control our animal desires, but actually to transform them. So to transform your very being, so with this fascinating and basically, simple example of a war, of a battle between two kings, the Alter Rebbe crystallizes for us the actual steps. And when you look through it, you actually see steps, step by step. We were able to enumerate eight steps. So let's just sum that up, and then we'll continue learning inside as the Alter continues to develop this concept. But this is like the formula. So... When you have two nations, two kings at war with each other, and this is the Yetzirah Tev and the Yetzirah, the divine soul and the animal soul, ulom ulom yemats, two nations that are opposed to each other, which is the expression used when Rivka was pregnant with Yaakov and Esau, So two nations they represented, two archetypes, and they battle over control. What do they want to control? They want to control the city. What is the city in the moral here? The city is you, your body, and your faculties. Where will they be focused on? What will your body and faculties focus on? Your mind, your heart. So it could be focused on self-preservation, on survival, on self-interest, on needs, on your own needs, selfish needs. Or they can be focused on something greater and transcendent, God, the divine, the purpose of your life. And that's essentially the battle. But like it is with a regular war, when I say regular, I mean a war in this material world, you don't just conquer a city and all its citizens and everything is fine. It takes, it takes stages. You can conquer and technically control the city, but not all the citizens, not all the people living there are necessarily accepting your authority. And even if you have authority, is it willingly accepting? Even if they accept it, there's always dissidence, there's always resistance, there are those that still do not accept. And even if they do accept, is it just, you're just, they're just avoid you're just causing them to not attack you, or can you actually turn them into allies and friends? And this is the step-by-step process. In truth, if you want to think about it, it's not just in a war, in a physical war between two kings. Every time you communicate with someone, and you're creating a relationship, you also have, let's say you love someone dearly, and you have a very strong position, you want to persuade them. So you can force yourself upon another person, basically threaten them or impose yourself, or you can convince, you can inspire. And the goal is not just to impose your will, but to actually create the relationship. And same thing here. The goal is not just that the divine soul and the divine intentions dominate, but you want them to be loved, you want them to be accepted. So when you talk to someone in simple communication, let's say, someone goes to a city and they are interested in inspiring Jews or others to become closer to God, to live up to what their destiny is. So you can do it by yelling at people, You could do it by trying to impose, or you can do it by inspiring, by in a way explaining that they themselves will say, you know what, till now I was opposed to this approach for whatever reason, and now I can see the merit and the value. And the same thing when we educate our children. So bottom line is what we're discussing here is really a method, a methodology, that is relevant to any type of convincing another and when I say convincing, I mean convincing in a real way where it resonates with the other. So let's just spell out the stages as the al Altarebbe himself spelled it out. So when he spoke about, first he gave the example of the two kings, and then he went back to Nefesh Akis. And the main focus of this chapter is the Nefesh Akis, because that's the ultimate goal we want, even though there's a battle. But the objective is that the Nefesh Akis should, should dominate, should win the battle. So like he said in the beginning of the Patek, he said, Right? which is the two nations and, the, and the, the battles over the the small city which is the body and its limbs, its faculties its limbs, its organs, its faculties which are the citizens of the small city called the body and what is the goal? that the king wants to read, that's the first thing that the battle consists of... Both souls, the divine soul and the animal soul from the klipa, from the other side, from the shell, which is focused on self as opposed to the fruit, to the divine within the shell, are at battle with each other over the body and Kolei all the limbs, all the faculties. But it's no, and here are the levels... And the will of the Nefeshalikis is he a love, that she alone, meaning the divine soul alone, not in partnership, she alone should be the king, the ruler, the governor, umanigose, to rule and also to govern the body and all its faculties. That too you can break into two, meshalis and Manigose, which we discussed. Then, v'cholei l'mashmaita. It goes further. That all the vodim should follow and listen to, its, to the king's instructions, to the divine soul's instructions, which, as we said, is a deeper level. Not just that it r- rules and governs, but the evarim themselves should listen. The citizens should listen, and the, the, the nimshal, is that the human being, and we'll soon learn the details, our mind, our emotions, your mind and your emotions should listen to what the divine soul has to say. Furthermore, uptelim etzlo legamri. That's even deeper. It should be completely sublimated, completely subjugated to the divine soul, completely. So here, b'talim and the word legamri. So if you really break it down, it's even more than eight levels because you can have and it's not legamri. But he's saying legami, complete. Then comes the next level. The, the Some bitl itself, as we discussed, you could have bitl where you're subjugated and you listen. And more than listen, you're actually, you're, you're humbled. And the way you surrender through devotion and commitment to the divine soul. But Merkava is you become a vehicle to it. Next level. Then, Furthermore, to become a garment, which we said is even more than a vehicle. A vehicle is an outside entity. However, its entire Purpose is dedicated to serve and be a vehicle for the Divine Soul. It's a lavush to the ten faculties and to the three garments. This is already setting the stage of what we're going to learn shortly afterwards as the at continues. And furthermore, she that all the faculties of the Divine Soul should manifest in the Evri Haguf, which is the citizens of the city, of the small city, which is the body, and furthermore, and that the body should be So what you see here, it's no longer just an entity that initially was an enemy, if it was controlled by the animal soul, but definitely was not listening to and accepting the desire and the will of the divine soul. So now, not only did it accept the will, it actually now gets filled with it, becomes a vehicle, becomes a garment, to the point that it's entirely filled only with the divine intentions, the goal of the divine soul. Complete control. And finally, And finally, and nothing else, no stranger, no other force enters because you can still say, even if it's filled, but there's still room for some dissent, for, some, uh, for someone that still opposes the control of the divine soul. So no. So you see here stages, literally from first, just the basic when a person being, let's say right now, you're sitting down to have a meal. Your animal soul tells you to indulge. Your divine soul says, no, make a blessing. Think about God. Think about the strength you're going to gain from the food and how you'll use it to do a mitzvah. Or, divrei r'shus, l'shem shamayim. So you're eating the food for the sake of heaven. And there's a battle going on. Now the battle could be won just by simply you make the blessing and you have that cognizance. So the divine soul is in control right now. But is it fully in control? Is it really something that will be lasting Next time you eat. So that's how these levels all come into play. How deep is the divine soul affecting you? It could be just a temporary effect. It could be an effect, but it's more in a form of superimposing dominance. Or are you actually listening to it? Are you even furthermore surrendered to it and butled and subjugated to it to the point that you become a Merkava vehicle? to what the divine soul wants. Further, a garment. To the point that all of you becomes filled only with what, what the divine goal, goals are. To the point that there's no room for a zar for any other side force. So the truth is, any one of these levels is the divine soul winning the battle. However, the question is how deep that, 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 that victory is. Total victory is when the city is completely, not just under control, but the king can also, doesn't even have to watch. Because everything has been transformed to listen to what the divine soul has to say. And as we discussed, even though you can say not every one of us can reach this highest level, we're gonna learn that at Sadi Gomor, the next chapter of reaches this level. But all of us have the capacity to fight the battle and win the battle because we have a divine soul. Yes, we need to contend with the animal soul, But this is the step-by-step process. What's so powerful here is that it shows us that wherever you are, you don't have to win the whole battle. Even a small little victory is already a big achievement. So it's like in any situation, when you think of an enemy, someone that's uh, an, an adversary, right away it frightens us. Formidable adversary. But when you think of it in stages, that you're not asked to necessarily conquer the city overnight. Step by step, it makes it far more and easier to digest and easier to realize that it's very doable. And that's the approach we have to take whenever any challenge faces us. Think of it in a step-by-step process and see where you stand. Sometimes if you need to begin on the early steps simply to control, control the, your animal urges, or, like I gave the example before, in education. there needs certain type of discipline, or in communication with others, or in relationships. And then you grow from there. So if you're a child, you're educating your child. You see a child do something that is selfish, something that is inappropriate. So you teach your child, you're supposed to say thank you, share a toy. So in the beginning, it may be very behavioral, in the sense you're simply telling the child and you give them an incentive the child might not fully understand that's the right thing to do. But then the process continues. You actually teach your child that this is good. And the child naturally becomes a giving person, someone that shows gratitude, kindness. And that's where the child has become more transformed to the point that they're really a channel for what they're supposed to be doing. Not just they're doing it. So it's not just a behavioral shift but actually become, actually become second nature. And each of these steps can be identified. So if, in truth, you can write an entire book on education, or on communication, or on relationships, or on how to influence people. By using these steps and saying, step by step, your goal is to reach a point where, where, like he said, in the language that he used there, she tehi levada meshala salav man but the goal is that pro- the last step is saying, "You That means you have a complete ally. You transformed the city and its citizens to become your ally. In this case, the ally of the divine soul. And there's no room for another for any stranger or for any alien force to oppose you. That means you've really done a great job. That's like, a, you know, to use a marketing example. you've turned, you've converted. Someone that's visited your your domain and you've converted them to become a loyal customer to the point they come back on their own. Just another example. In the beginning, it could be they wouldn't come back on their own. You need to incentivize them. You need to some other ways to motivate them. So wherever you look in life, you can find these stages just to make it more palpable in ways that we can relate to and we can identify with. Okay, so now the next part of the Pedic we we're up to actually combines what we learned earlier in chapter Gimel and Dalad, especially starting with chapter, chapter three in Tanya. So there, the Al explained, if you recall, after explaining the divine soul and its nature, the Al then went on to explain the faculties of the divine soul. That there are ten faculties that evolve from the ten spheres. And those are the three cognitive, bina, and das, which give birth to the mides, the emotional. Chesed, Gvura, Teferes. So now, that, there he explained it to understand how the divine soul functions. Now he's going to connect it to now that we understand how the divine soul and the animal soul are at war with each other. We also know the location, the divine soul residing in the mind and the right side of the heart, the animal soul residing in the left side of the heart. So now you can visualize an actual confrontation between the right side of the heart, the mind and the right side of the heart, with the left side of the heart. The passions, the fiery passions of the animal soul's selfish desires and the reflective mind And even the emotions that are divine divine emotions, as we discussed earlier in the chapter. So he's going to combine now what we learned in chapter 3 and apply it to now that we understand this battle. We'll also understand better this process of how the mind and the emotions and ultimately the garments, because remember, after chapter 3 comes chapter 4, and then chapter 5, and they all discuss the garments of the divine soul. So the rest of this chapter, almost till the end of the chapter, will be, is focused and concerned with how we understand now this battle or the wishes of the divine soul to control the human being in the context of the mind and the emotions and the garments. And then at the end of the chapter, the Al-Taleb is going to go back. That's the divine soul. And the animal soul wants the opposite. It wants to control the city. It wants to control the human being and his faculties. And there'll be a few lines about that, so then we'll have the whole picture of this battle. But as you see, the main focus is on the Divine Soul for the obvious reason. Firstly, that's the purpose. We want to have the Divine Soul win. Secondly, also to empower us, it's far easier to just, to just gravitate and allow your selfish desires. You don't need any effort for that. In this world, the Nefesh abamis, Without effort is going to be the dominant one, because they wish to conceal themselves, like we learned earlier. This is a world that the uh, elim Klippas with Sitra It's filled with klippas and we don't see the divine. So we need much more effort, much more explanation, much more empowerment, to, and to give us the resources, like we learned in the beginning of Tanya the tiny is that a person that we should be a tzaddik. we should allow the divine soul to dominate and not the roshan with the animal soul dominating so now let, now let's learn this inside we're going to now apply as i said chapter three combined with what we just learned about this battle So here's how that al continues so let's continue in chapter 3. Um, Nine. The Hainu this means this is what we just learned. And let's just make sure that we have the flow. What was the line before? That the entire let should read a line before that even. We says with what? With the faculties of the divine soul. And no strange force, no alien force should enter that domain. Even Yavr, even just pass through. Pass through as we discussed. It's not just they don't reside, only res- they don't reside there any longer. Because they've even been transformed or anything that, that didn't belong was eliminated. But transformed is the real goal. But it's not even yavr Zod, not even passing through. So now we continue. Dahainu, and this mean this means. So now he's explaining how the divine soul controls the city, the human being. That the Tlas Mechin, that the three intellectual faculties in the brain. So we know in Kabbalah and Zayat, a number of places talks about three brains the right brain, the left brain, the center brain. Sometimes that's the way it's described. There are three chambers. So he's saying there are three moichin, like he said in the beginning of chapter 3 in Tanya, earlier. So the brain itself, the moichin, can go either way. It depends who's going to control it. The mind can be used, as we learned earlier, by the animal soul, where you're focusing on using your mind, either for your own selfish desires, or teachings or ideas that are not about God. We learned even about things like science and other things, that there's nothing wrong per se with the the science. But your mind is, instead of focusing on the purpose of your life, why were you given a mind, that the mind should be focused on God and God's purpose for you in your life. So here... What's happening when Nefesh al kiss is ultimately winning the battle and wins the battle is that the Tlas Mechel he says literally the words, remember that was a word he just said earlier, that the faculties of the divine soul, that it should, that the being, the human being, should be filled only with the divine. What does that mean practically? Till now, he just said it in general terms. What does it mean that the divine soul controls? So let's go back to the Moshe When you talk about a king who's controlling a city, so that's the the idea of he's controlling. And now, not only controlling, but all the people in the city are his allies, are his subjects and ready to follow, and they are like, go through all the levels. The bittel, the Merkava, the Levush, they're vehicles. But it's, they've accepted like we do on Rosh Hashanah. So that's in general terms. What does it mean specifically? It means that the mind of the citizens of the people, the ik'tan azaguf, starting with the mind, is filled with what? What is it filled with? Not on my own interest, but what the king wants. And who's the king here? We're talking about is the Nefaliis. So that's the first thing, bin Vidasha so what is your mind occupied with when, when this, in this state where the divine soul is the one that's controlling the city? It's occupied with what God wants, not what I want. Why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? Famous story where the chassid came to the Alter and gave him a whole list of things he wants and needs. The Alter listened patiently and then after he finished, the Alter said, okay, You told me everything that you are needed for, but what do you need it for? You told me everything you need, but what do you need it for? In other words, why, why are you here? Not just about your needs being fulfilled. So the mind is occupied, what does God want of me? What is my mission in this world? And then how to figure out how to fulfill that mission. In general, learning teda does that. When you learn your mind Tera, what are you doing? You're learning God's wisdom. Like we learned earlier in Tanya. So your mind is occupied with what God's mind thinks. When you're studying, God is studying in direct, in, in a direct, direct connection with you. Like a chavrusa, like a partner. So your mind is occupied not with business and not with extra extracurricular activities, but with what God wants, with what the divine, that's what the divine soul does. And what does that What does it mean that the Hashem that we're talking about here? Chokhmis Hashem. The intellectual inquiry of God Ubinose and its understanding that you're trying to understand the wisdom of God. And ubinosei, that's chochme. And binose the comprehension of it, because the chochme, like we learned in chapter three, is the Nakuda, the key is when we begin the process, conceiving of an idea, what does that mean? By contemplating on God's greatness, by contemplating or pondering on God's unfathomable and endless greatness. So this requires an intellectual focus Focus of membina, conceiving the idea and then developing it, and that's what your mind is occupied with. And by contrast, just ask yourself what is your mind occupied with most of the time? Not necessarily this, but that's what the divine soul wants of you. And then he continues, like he said in chapter twenty, in chapter three, mehen al And through the through what? Through Khachmambina, the father and the mother, which are necessary to give birth to our child. Same thing here, the mind is giving birth to emotions. But it's Ali Dehadas, like he explained in chapter 3 as well, his kashus. That the middah should be complete and not what he called there, the just illusions or delusions, but sustainable and real emotions a viable child, or in this case, a viable emotions. you need Das, from the word Iskashus. The Adam yodas, as, chav as he explained at the end of chapter 3. So, to, and to give birth from Choch Mabina, through Das, through this Iskashus, give birth to what? To the Midas. The reverence in the person's mind, Upachad Hashem, we'll call the trepidation of God in the person's heart. So there you have the Midas. And the order is exactly as it was in chapter 3, because even though Chesed comes before Gvura in the, the regular order, but practically speaking, the first thing is a respect and reverence of God before you really develop a relationship, as we shall discuss as we read further. But we'll stop here. He's going to continue to talk about this love. And develop it further, and you're going to see here how also all the stages till total transformation of the human being. Total transformation of the animal soul as well. So we'll stop here. Go to tanyaapplied.com. You could hear this in many all the previous programs. You can also submit any question. And everyone have a guttavach. Be well. This has been My Life, Tanya Applied with Rabbi Simon Jacobson. Please join us again next week. Visit chasidahsupply.com for archived classes and more resources.